Next Sunday, I am going to be presenting to you a very important message uh, that has shaken me uh, and has opened my eyes, and I want to share it with you. Uh, Some of you may have read or heard of the book called The Harbinger. How many of you have heard of this book? I'm going to be uh, presenting to you uh, a piece of this and how it affects you and I. This book is not a a political book. It is a book that addresses the spiritual and cultural climate of this nation and the covenant we have with God. Our covenant with God. Uh, And I'm telling you, it's going to blow your mind. Those of you that read it know it is just, it's, 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 it's so clear and precise how God is speaking to this nation. Uh, and, and I want to make sure that we're hearing the message very clearly. Uh, so um, next Sunday, I want you, to make, want you to make sure you have plans to be here. Get ready to, to receive from God and hear uh, from Him. Uh, bring someone with you. Uh, this, is a, this, is, this is a message that the people of God need to hear. This is the message that both the saint, sinner and the saint need to hear. Uh, and I, and I want to share it with you as, uh, as God has been speaking to me. That's next Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a very, very important time. Startling truths from the Word of God. Okay, two scriptures I want you to grab today. I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 3 and put your finger there to mark that or a piece of paper or something. And then I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 3. Psalm chapter 3 and Acts chapter 3. If you're watching online right now, I want to welcome you. I hope that you have felt the presence of God as we have here today. God is good, and He is on your side. And um, I want you to get ready to receive the word from God today. Uh, I have a a strong word in my spirit that's going to challenge you and yet encourage you at the same time. And I look forward to sharing it with you. Acts chapter 3, are you there? Okay. Verse 19, reading from the New King James Version. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So much in that verse, we're going to touch just a piece of it. But first, let's flip over to Psalm chapter 3. Verse 1. This is a psalm of David. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. David's writing about how his enemies are increasing around him and troubling him. It reminds me of a story when I was a kid, 8, 9, 10 years old, something like that. Uh, my grand, my grandparents, my mom and my dad's parents were living in Sealsby, just north of Sealsby. They had three or four acres up there. And man, I used to love to go up there and spend time with them. They had horses and cows. It's where I learned to drive. Uh, I'll never forget. My grandfather was so proud because I could drive the truck around the property. I was only, let's say at that time I was eight years old. So uh, I'm driving the truck and he had been teaching me how to drive through the gate. You know, there's a lot of gates, and it's very important to be able to drive through the gate, not through the fence. I don't know if you know that or not. 
so he's teaching me how, and you know, I'm doing so good. So my dad comes up one day, and, and uh, he's going to show my dad. So we all get in the truck, and I'm going to drive through. My grandpa jumps out, open the gates, and I bang the mirror. Pow! And he was like so disappointed in me. But I loved going to my grandfather's house. And uh, around that time, two of my cousins lived on the property as well. My aunt and uncle and, and my two cousins lived there, uh, Dusty and Jeremy. Jeremy was a few years older than me, about three years older than me. Uh, still is about three years older than me, actually. Uh, Dusty is just about six months or so younger than I. We're pretty much the same age. We loved, there was a big uh, forest behind their house, and we loved to go exploring back there. Uh, man, we loved to just go on adventures and use our imagination and go hunting or, you know, just go on a hike or whatever we could do, just anything. We loved being outside, being uh, in the woods, having a good time. And we took off one day on an adventure and we brought with us a machete. Now, I know if you know what a machete is, it's a big knife about this long. It's used for cutting down limbs and trees. And you think, well, what are you doing at eight years old old with a machete? Well, you have to understand, that is standard operating equipment for a country boy, okay? When you're on an adventure, you know, uh, you have to have a machete with you. So we had a machete and our buck knives, you know, we had our knives. We're We're ready to take on whatever was in those woods, we were ready for it. And so we're marching along one day, having a good time. And I don't really know what we were discussing, but uh, whoever had the machete, it wasn't me, but one of my two cousins had the machete and they're chopping this and chopping that and chopping here and chopping there. And, you know, just chopping things that shouldn't be chopped just because you have a machete in your hand. And that's what you do when you have a machete in your hand, you chop things, right? So we're going along and all of a sudden uh, he hits this tree and the tree like falls over and when it does thousands of bees come flying out you know you know the sound i mean now here's the deal my cousin jeremy was a little older than us he was blessed with speed myself and dusty we were not blessed with speed um we, you know, I, am, I have never been accused of being fast in my entire life. No one ever accused me of that. So Jeremy, when, when he sees the bees, he's gone. Like, I don't even know what happened to him. It was like, poof, and he was gone. Like, dude, where did you go? He was gone. Well, for the, the rest of us that can't outrun the bees, this is now a problem. Well, I am not fleet of foot, but I think pretty quickly. And I look to my left as I see these bees swarming out. I look to my left and I see a stream running along. So I dive straight in the stream, face first, boosh, and I just plant down in the water. And I'm holding my breath, praying that these bees can't attack me in the water. It worked. They can't get you in the water. But as I'm laying there, and I'm laying there for what seemed like an eternity, you know, and just kind of sticking my mouth out and breathing, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, you know. I hear Dusty running through the woods, screaming as these bees have now said, like, we couldn't get Jeremy. He disappeared like the flash. We can't get Randon because he dove in the lake. We're going to fo- focus all of our energy on this guy. And they swarmed him. He got stung so many times. He was screaming. He was swollen. He couldn't move. By the time he got back to the house, he couldn't move. I felt so horrible for him. Can you imagine? Maybe you understand because it's happened to you. I didn't get stung one time. I was thanking Jesus. 
I was, I, you know, but I felt horrible all at the same time because he, he had been swarmed and attacked by these bees. The thing about bees is when they start swarming you, there's nothing you can do to defend yourself. Unless you're diving in a lake, shutting the door behind you, or you got one of those suits on, there is nothing that you can do. You can't swat them away with your hat. They are attacking you from every angle. And you can hit 50 of them, but there are thousands of them. You ever seen a cloud of a swarm of bees? You feel like you're on the defensive because you are. You, a full-grown man, are screaming like a girl, running and kicking and throwing and punching as a little bitty tiny bee attacks you. I wonder if this is what David was feeling right here. I am surrounded. We're going to read here in just a few more verses what he says, by tens of thousands of enemies. I'm on the defense. I'm not even attacking them. They're just coming after me. And there are people, there are shots coming at me from every single angle. I don't know if you can relate to this or not. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you seem to be on the defense all the time, where your life doesn't seem to be moving forward, but, but either stuck or moving backwards. Well, if that is you today, if you can relate even a bit, I have a word that I want to share with you today that's been in my spirit for a week or so to encourage you, but also to help you move forward. At the end of verse 2, and you won't see it on the screen, I don't know why this version, uh, this program doesn't have it, but if you're looking at your Bible, you will see a word kind of off to the side. Uh, And I'm going to try to say the word, it's a Hebrew word, and I'm going to try to say it correctly, I have been messing it up all morning. And the reason I've been messing up is because I've been saying it wrong my entire life, and I'm trying to retrain my brain for the last few days to say it correctly. I'm probably going to get it wrong. So just understand, if I give up and start saying it differently, know the word that I'm talking about, okay? It's spelled S-E-L-A-H. <laughs> I'm going to get it wrong, Ronnie. I even practiced before this service, and I'm still going to get it wrong. Sila. Is that right, Ronnie? Sila. No? <laughs> Doggone it. Uh, okay, we're going to call it Sila for the day, okay? Is that all right? Can you understand? I, uh, Selah. The title of my message today is simply Selah. It's a word that's a Hebrew word that we don't fully understand the total grasp of of what it was meaning. But what we do know about it, I believe is going to speak to you today. It's going to challenge you and open some things up for you. Let's go back to Acts chapter 3. We'll come back to David in a few moments. But let's go back and listen to this sermon that Peter is preaching As he's responding to these men here, he says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. God was wanting to change their season. He said, you've been in one place, but I want to take you to a time of refreshing. If you've been in the middle of the battle and you've been fighting uh, enemies on every side and you've been going, 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 going and going some more. If you don't work a five day work week, but it seems like you have an eight day work week and you are, are worn out, then you might look at this and say, you know what? A time of refreshing sounds really good about right now. 
How many of you think just a season of refreshing, a time just to relax, a vacation would be lovely right about now? You look and you you watch the Sandals commercials on TV, the all-inclusive resorts down in Jamaica, and you think to yourselves, that would be incredible. That's what he's talking about. I want to give you a time of refreshing. My question then is just simply this. How do I get one? How do I get one? I need a little refreshing. I need a different season. How do I get it? Well, flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. Here's what he says. To everything there is a season. So there's a season for everything. Whatever, wherever you are right now, it's a season. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm in a season. Okay? Then watch what he says. A time for every purpose under heaven. So for every season, there is a purpose. So the, 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 this issue then here is, the enemy's been swarming me. There has to be a purpose for it. Uh, in those times when the enemy's coming at me and attacking me, when I'm going through the battle, it comforts me to know that there is a reason for it. I may not understand it today. I may not be able to see it clearly today, but there is a reason for it. As you probably know, if you've been around here a while, I don't do well with shots. You know the little bitty tiny needle that everybody gets and it's no big deal? Okay, major anxiety comes over me. I am very prone to blacking out and falling on the ground, embarrassing myself, having seizures in front of everybody. I kid you not. I hate getting shots. But when I get sick enough and it gets bad enough, give me the shot. If I pass out, I pass out. If I embarrass myself, so be it. It's happened multiple times. If it hurts, it hurts. But I understand that there is a purpose in the pain. The shot hurts, but in the process of it, it's going to take away the sickness, right? So when there is a purpose to what you're going through, it it gives us some peace that at least, hey, I'm not just suffering for no reason. Because you've got to know the devil wants to torment you just to torment you. Even when he knows he can't win, he wants to torment you. Even when he knows the end of the story, he still wants to torment you. And so if I'm going to be tormented, I would at least like to know that there's a purpose in it. How many can agree with that? All right. So here's what what he says in Acts. I'm going to take out a a couple of pieces of it because they're all connected together, building on one top, on top of the other, but I don't have to go time to go through each and every one today because it gives us a concept of repentance and conversion here, but I'm going to show you what he's saying here. Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repent so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, many of us, when I say the word repent, we have an understanding of what it means. The key here then, the key to changing your season is repent. Repent so that I can change your season. Repent. Now, the word repent is, comes from the Greek word metanoia. Metanoia. I can say that one. <laughs> metanoia. You, if you think about it, you might know a little bit of what the word means. Meta. The first part of the word, it's two words combined into one. You've heard it in the word metamorphosis. It's a change uh, in, in a body or a change in the, in the, um, 
the, uh, I forget the word, but it, you know, a, a caterpillar and all those things go to uh, metamorphosis, right? So they change in the structure and the, in the makeup of their body. So meta means change. Now, uh, so what he's referring to here, the word repent in the Greek literally means this, a change of your mind. Change your mind. This is what repent means. We think that repent <clears throat> means coming to the altar and saying, Lord, uh, you know, I sinned this week. Maybe you're raising your hand for a, a, the sinner's prayer. You say, I sinned this week, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. But we walk out of here and we've never changed anything. We just do the same thing again. But repentance is more than that. My grandfather was with us here this morning. He's one of the funniest people that I know, an incredible man of God, uh, incredible uh, prayer warrior, worshiper, and, and just strength uh, to this body of Christ. And, and many of you may not even know him, but I'm telling you, uh, you are where you are in great degree because of who he is. Uh, Brother Marshall is, is what you may know his name as. A couple of years ago, he was out in the back. Um, he, he, may have been, he may even have been over at Pastor Brandon's dad's house uh, before he passed a couple of years ago. And he was doing something in the yard and he hit his hand or something happened and, and he dropped a curse word. He said, O-S-H-I-T. <laughs> Loud. Now, there wasn't a lot of people around, but he immediately stopped as a good man of God. Don't, hey, don't be thinking bad of him. I know that at least 80% of the people in this room have done it at some point in your life. So don't be pointing any fingers. Okay. So immediately, like a good man of God, he stops and he says, Lord, forgive me. But then he thought about it a second. He said, you know what? Don't waste your time. I'm in every word of it. <laughs> I'm in every word of it. Here's the deal. He confessed it, didn't he? Oh, I did it. <laughs> yes, sir. Everybody knows. I did. <laughs> but he didn't change anything because... <laughs> So did he really repent? No. But, but this is what we do in our lives. We come in and, and we say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Forgive me of all of my sins. I repent, but we never change anything. And so we march right back out and we go do the exact same thing we did last week. True repentance doesn't just involve an I'm sorry, but it involves a change of mind. I am a sinner, and so are you. The Bible is clear about it. Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. Uh, Paul said, for all have sinned. Are you all? Of course you are. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned, but here is the deal. When we repent, some of us come in and just confess our sins. This is one of my struggles if, is with, with going to a priest and to confession. It's not just about the confession. Repent here means a change of mind. So it's not that I can just come confess it and then go out, everything is okay. Uh, and, and I don't want to attack our Catholic brothers because I have a huge amount of respect for what the Catholic church has done for Christianity and protecting it and carrying it on and protecting the word of God over the centuries. But here's what you have to understand. It involves repentance. Repent and be converted. Change your mind and be converted. There's something that has to shift and change in us or we're just using words. 
So yes, I may be a sinner, but man, when I come in and I, and I get in the presence of God and I give my heart to him every single day, I, I love to give my heart and my life to Jesus. And, and I say, Father, I have sinned, forgive me. And I know I messed up again this week, but forgive me, God, because I want to change my mind and determine and resolve that I will not fall back into that sin again. What happens when I fall? So be it. I come back again and I repent and I determine to change my mind. But you know, it's not okay to talk about sin in, in, in America anymore because, you know, we don't sin. We have issues. Right? We don't have sin. We have issues. Uh, we, have, uh, we have fancy name, uh, uh, medical names for our sin. <laughs> right? We have pills for our sin. <laughs> we go to counseling for our sin, but I wonder if we ever repent and change our mind for our sin. You see, I am convinced that if Americans individually would ever grasp the concept of true repentance and changing our minds and the way we think and the way we act and the way we do, then our hearts would be turned back to God. So he said, the key to changing your season is you have to change your mind. You, you don't get to the times of refreshing until you get through the repent. You don't get, through the t- get to the times of refreshing until you get to the place where you change your mind. All right? Let's go then and, and ask this next question that, that, that it leads me to. How do we know what needs to change in our mind? If I want to change the season, how do I know what needs to change? Because listen, there are a lot of things in my mind that need to change. But there are a lot of things that don't need to change. There are a lot of things that you have right. Don't change them. So if if we don't change the right things, we can end up messing ourselves up even worse. You ever met a person that went on a path of discovery and messed up themselves even worse than before they ever started? Changing the wrong thing. So we got to know what to change. Let's go back to David now. And I want to read you uh, these verses in the New Living Translation uh, because I just like uh, the way it expresses it and and clarifies it for us. Uh, Psalm chapter 3, verse 1, reading in the New Living now. Uh, Oh Lord, I have so many enemies, so many are against me. Verse 2. So many are saying... God will never rescue him. Think about where David is. David is in a place where where his enemies are swarming him. He is overwhelmed. He's being attacked on every side. He is to the point. Listen, he has been saying for so long, God is going to rescue me. God is going to save me. God is going to get me out of here. God is going to pull me through. But he's been saying it so long that now the people around him, not just his enemies, but his friends and his relatives and his advisors, they're saying, put that verse back up there for me. So many people around him are saying, God will never rescue him. Can you relate? 
You started out, and yes, you knew you were in a season. It was a difficult time, and you were praying, and you were standing on faith, and you were declaring the word of God, and you were saying, God's going to come through for me. God's going to rescue me. God's going to bless me. God's going to pull me out of this thing. God's going to turn it around. You just watch and see. And you told everybody who would listen, you just wait. My God is going to come through for me. How many of you have been there before? Your faith is strong. You're speaking the word of God. You're declaring his word. But after a little while... People stop listening. And maybe it's been a few weeks, a few months, a few years, for some of us, even a few decades. And now they're looking at you and they're saying, not just the people that hate you, but the people that love you, saying, dude, you've been saying that for 22 years. God's never going to rescue you. Just go on and give it up. And the, the next problem is, Our faith begins to wane. So now, not only are they saying God will never rescue us, but we're saying God's going to rescue me, but the faith is not with it. It's just words. It's no heart. It's no conviction. Because we begin to wonder ourselves, will God ever rescue me? Will he ever come through for me? Will he ever turn this thing around? Will it ever work out for me? I mean, I've been praying, Pastor Randon. You don't understand. I've been praying for my kids to know Jesus for 25 years. I got promises. I got prophetic words. I got scriptures. I've done everything I can. You don't understand, Pastor Randon. David did. Here's what he did. He took... A Salah. The New Living translates it as an interlude. He took a moment. And he, and he stopped. This is a very important word that often gets overlooked. It's used over 70 times in the book of Psalms as well as a couple times in Habakkuk. It can have several meanings, several translations. Let's look at a few of them. The Amplified Bible translate, translates it like this. Paul's and think of that. Pause and think about it. Pause and think about the words you've just said. Pause and think about the situation that's going on in your life. Pause and think. You know, your mind was given to you for you to use it. Believe it or not. (laughs) I know some of you would swear differently, but it was literally God put it in you as a gift to you for you to use in your life to be able to think to be able to reason, to be able to meditate. Uh, He says, pause and think, to stop. So if you want to know what the purpose of the season that you're in is, you have to actually pause and think about it. David said, I'm going through a tough season. I better stop and think about what I just said. Stop and think about the fact that tens of thousands of my enemies are surrounding me. I I need to stop and think about this. The, The Bible actually tells us commands us and encourages us to meditate. I know that that meditate is a spooky word, but the Bible says meditate on his law, meditate on the scripture, meditate on his word. It says meditate on all type of things. It means to stop and think, to stop and spend some time utilizing your brain that God gave you. Do you know, I've heard it heard it said so many times that God will rarely, if ever, do something supernaturally that you could do naturally. And what that means is, if he's already put the solution, the answer inside your mind, 
then you just need to utilize your mind and it's there. But we don't want to stop and look. We don't want to take that time. Then selah means to hang or to measure or to weigh. So as we're looking back over where we are and we're discovering the purpose, we're saying, what am I doing? Why am I here? Is it worth it? Is what I'm doing producing fruit? Uh, is the fruit good or is the fruit bad? Because it's not just that what I'm doing is producing fruit, but is it producing good fruit and the fruit that I want? So we stop and we look. The next thing that it suggests is a contrast from what's been happening. So what was happening, there is a contrast that, that leads us to what happens next is going to change. So, so in the Salah moment, Salah moment, things shift and there's a contrast that takes place. As we deliberate and as we meditate, we make changes. Let's see if that happens for David. Verse 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. This word, the first three-letter word that you see, but, it implies there's a contrast coming. Remember what he said. My enemies are surrounding me. They're swarming me. People are saying, God will never rescue you. But then he has a salah, a pause. Stop and think about it. Stop and examine. Stop and weigh it out. Measure it out. Look at things. And then he says, okay, there's a contrast coming. Things have begun to shift in my mind. But... And here's the first thing that shifts. You, O Lord, are a shield around me. He says, man, I realize the enemies are all around me. They're there, but you have been protecting me. They're swarming me, but you have been the white bee suit all around me. They couldn't get to me. And he changes his focus from his enemies to God. Now, this may seem like a simple thing to you, but do you know that focusing on God is a very difficult thing? I read a story the other day about an old circuit rider preacher. You may remember the circuit rider preachers back in the 1800s would ride around and preach from town to town and village to village. They just rode around on a horse and they just preached the word of God everywhere they went and, and uh, preached the message of the kingdom. That's, this is what they did. They rode around on horseback. And the circuit rider preaching was, preacher was riding through a field one day and he saw a guy working in the field and he was hot and he was sweaty. And, and the, the preacher came by and he said, how are you doing today? He said, well, man, I'd be doing a whole lot better if all I had to do was, was ride around on a horse and think about God all day. And the preacher said, listen, it ain't easy thinking about God all day. The guy said, yeah, right. Uh, I, he said, yeah, right. I, you come down here and do this and I'll think about God. And the guy said, okay, so why don't we sit down here and take a break under this tree? You, you need a break for a minute. Sit down under this tree. And if you can think about God for one minute straight... I'll give you my horse. The guy said, that sounds like a deal. So he sits down under the tree. And the, and the preacher is just, you know, sitting there. And he's, he's, you know, just kind of praying and, you know, watching the clock and counting to 60 for 60 seconds. About 30 seconds into it, the guy looked up from the tree and he said, now, did you mean the saddle too? For those of you that didn't get it, my point is he couldn't think about God for 60 seconds because he got back to thinking about the horse and whether or not the deal included the saddle or not. Focusing on God seems very easy, but when the war drums are going on around you, it's hard to focus on him. So David said, I got to stop and say, what needs to change? Well, the first thing that needs to change is my focus is on the wrong person. And I have realized that, yes, the enemy's been there, but God's been in the middle of this whole thing as well. 
He's been protecting me all along. So he gets this in his mind. He says, okay, I, I got this. And then he has another moment where he stops and he pauses. He has another salah. His mind is changing. Verse 5 through 8. And, and I love it because now he's starting to get this thing right. Verse 5. Uh, I lay down and slept, yet I awoke in safety. I, I slept and woke, and you, you had kept me safe, for the Lord was watching over me. He was there the whole time. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies. I, I'm not worried about it anymore, who surround me on every side. Verse 7. Arise, O Lord. And watch his tone begins to lift up his tone. Look at the exclamation points there. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me, my God. Remember, he used to be saying this, but then people were saying no one's going to rescue you. Now he's got some strength and he's got some vigor and he's got some energy and he's got some faith going again. He says, rescue me, my God. And as a matter of fact, slap all of my enemies in the face. Just slap them. Just, just, just. The thing about slapping is not that it hurts so bad, but it's embarrassing embarrass the snot out of them. Just slap them like they're a spoiled little teenage, teenager. Yeah, just get them. And, and then, Lord, after you've slapped them and embarrassed real good, shatter all their teeth of the wicked and send them running back to their mama with crooked teeth. Shatter them all. Gumming their apple on the way home. Because they don't have any teeth. Shatter them. This way, look at this. Look at the exc- at four exclamation points in a row. Boom, boom, boom. He's getting pumped up. Do you feel the tone changing? When did the tone change? The tone changed when he stopped and paused and decided to think about it a little bit. And when he changed his mind. Verse 8. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless He got this thing right, man. He got it figured out. I, I got I to keep my eyes on Jesus. I got to keep my eyes on God. He's with me. He's watching over me. And yes, the enemies are there, but they can't get to me. I am safe in him. I am safe in his plan. He didn't even have Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. There's that word again. For every season, there is a purpose. So when we stay in the purpose, we got to stop and listen and figure what it is, figure out what it is so we can stay in it and accomplish it. If I can do that, I know that the Lord is working this thing out for my good. I know that I just got to stay the course because he's going to do it. I, I may not can see it yet, but he's working it out. I'm trusting in him. So I'm not afraid, even though I'm surrounded. We have to change our minds to change our seasons. I believe that a time of refreshing is coming for you. For every person that needs it, I believe a time of refreshing is coming for you. God has been birthing this word in my spirit and, and speaking to me about this. But, but here is the thing that is, he's been saying to me. He, he wants to send a new season, a new time, a, a time of refreshing, a time of, of, when, when things are being produced in your life, a, a time of answered prayers, a, a time when God is coming through for you and rescuing you. But he says before that can happen, we need a silah, a time to pause, to meditate, to reflect, to weigh, to measure, to hear from God. I've been feeling so strongly in my spirit that the next two months are this, uh, are a Salah time for you and I. You see, 
We're entering the holiday season. Holiday season is one of my favorites, a time for family, for relaxing, for giving, for thanksgiving, for joy, for gifts, for eating too much, for having lots of fun, for being with the people you love. It is an incredible time. But it's also the last two months of the year. January is a natural transition time in our lives, a natural change in the season, and I believe God wants to change your season, but before he can do that, he needs you to change your thinking. He said, I'm ready to give you a time of refreshing. I'm ready to to do the things I've been wanting to do, to, to do the things I've been promising you, but I need you to change your thinking. I need you to shift some things in your life, to rearrange some things, to weigh some things out, to get rid of some stuff, and to add some new. I need you to change your thinking. There are a couple of more translations of this word that I want to share with you. One of them is to lift up. Literally, to lift up the music or lift up the singers. To lift up. I believe that God in this season, in these next two months, is going to lift you up. Notice that David's tone, his attitude was lifted. He started low, but every time he took a break to pause and think, he was lifted up a little more. He was lifted up a little higher until at the end he was victorious. You see, some of us have been singing Amazing Grace, but God wants you to sing, I am victorious. He wants to lift you up. The second is that it implies a change in rhythm. God said, son, tell the people there is a change of pace coming. There is a change of pace. You felt stuck, stuck in a rut, stuck in the same pace, stuck in the same deal. It's always the same. You get up, you go to work, you go home, you eat dinner, you go to bed. You get up, you go to work, you go home, you eat dinner, you go to bed. And you do this over and over and over again. It feels like life is stuck and not moving. And God said, there is a change of rhythm and a change of pace coming. There is an infusion of energy and vigor. A will to move your life forward. It is a time of Silah. God is ready to shift, but the question is, are you? I want to challenge you to intentionally take time over the next two months to pause and to think. Think about where you are. Think about what God has done for you. Think about the purpose of what's happening. Think about what he wants to change. Weigh it out. Measure it out. What needs to shift? There, there are some things that I know that, that, oh, yeah, I know that's correct, but God wants to change. There, there are some things that he wants to shift. There are some things that you've been saying, yeah, I know what I need to do, but God says, I want you to go ahead and do it. Change your mind so he can change your season. Because I believe a time of refreshing is coming for you. If you're watching online, there's a time of refreshing coming for you. Whatever you're going through, there's a time of refreshing coming. Change your mind, and he'll change your season. Would you stand with me today? I'm out of time. I want to do two things this morning. I want to ask you a very important question. Uh, two very important questions, and then I want to I pray two prayers over you. The first question is simply this. If you would bow your heads with me and your, close your eyes for just a moment, I want you to begin to look in your own life, to your own life. And I want to ask you this question. Have you repented? Have you repented of your sin? Not did you confess it, but did you change your mind? 
Not did you come in and raise your hand and say the sinner's prayer, but, but did you come and, and confess, but then determine, I'm going to go out of here and I'm going to live for God. I, I am going to not sin, but I'm going to be a godly person, a person of righteousness, a person, uh, I, I'm going to do this thing. Today, some of us need to repent. We need a change of mind today. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand really quickly. There are hands going up all over this room. If you're watching online, I want you to just lift your hand. Yeah, you can put your hands down. I want every person in this room and watching to to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I repent. I confess my sins, but I'm determined to change my thinking. I won't be a sinner anymore, but I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be a person of righteousness and holiness change me oh God I don't want to walk out of here the same but make me new I give my heart to you I give my life to you be my Lord and Savior and fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen change your thinking change your thinking do some things differently when you leave here second prayer is for this For those of you that need a time of refreshing, you're weary, fighting, working, going at life as hard as you can, but you need a time of refreshing, I want to pray for you. But I want to challenge every person in this room to recognize the season that you're in. If you want it to change, ask yourself, what of my thinking needs to change? What in my mind needs to change? so I can accomplish the purpose of God in this season of my life and move on to the next one. It's a very important next two months. I want you to hit the ground running in January. When when it's time for rain, I want you to be ready to receive the rain. But, But if you haven't worked the ground yet, the rain won't do you any good. It'll just run off. We gotta work the ground. We gotta be ready for the rain to come. I want to pray for you. If you need a time of refreshing, just slip your hand up really quickly. I'm going to release this word over you today. Father God, right now, I declare that a time of refreshing is coming for the people of this house. Father, for those that have been spoken these words, that God will never come through for us. It will never happen. It's not going to happen. It's been too long. It's too hard. It's too big. He he clearly doesn't love you. He he clearly doesn't care. No, no, no. I, I, I cut those words off right now, and I declare that God will come through. He will be your God. You will be victorious. You will be blessed. He is on your side. You are not alone, but he's been protecting you all the way through. A time of refreshing is coming. Father, open our eyes that we can see, that we can weigh, that we can measure, that we can reflect, that we can pause and stop and think what in our lives, what in our thinking needs to change. What do we need to do differently to accomplish your purpose for this season? That, Father, we can be released into a time of refreshing. Selah. Pause and think. Allow us to see clearly, God. Give us the strength and the courage to make the necessary changes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastors and elders, would you come? Make yourself available now. If you need prayer ministry of any kind, if you're going through a time and you just need to join hands with someone, uh, to join your faith with theirs, you say, Pastor Rennan, my faith is low. I I just need some help. They're here. We want to pray with you. And if we don't have enough faith, we'll call on the faith of heaven to, to intervene in your behalf. God is with you. Let us pray for you, whatever you need in your life.